Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Primary Care Podcast. It's your boy, Dr. Mark List, coming at you today with another episode. Hey, before we get into today's episode, uh, you know the you know the drill. We're going to the primarycarepod at gmail.com inbox. Uh, you might notice my microphone setup is a little bit different. Apparently, here at the office when I'm recording, uh, my microphone was actually set to only 25% of its regular volume. So uh, yeah, look, professional podcasting host not even looking at what his microphone setup was. So it should be much louder this week. I apologize in the past. Um, the joke for this week is uh, a Thanksgiving-themed from last week. Uh, Dr. List, uh, gobble, gobble, uh, what sound does a turkey make when it's wounded? Answer, wobble, wobble. All right, that's terrible. Um, You know, I tried to tell a whole lot of Thanksgiving jokes this weekend with family, and my wife was continually asking me to stop. And I told her it's not easy to quit telling Thanksgiving jokes. It's really hard to quit cold turkey. All right, let's start the episode. Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, welcome back to the podcast, pod girls, pod boys, pod people. It's your pod doc, Dr. Mark List. Now, today we're getting into a pretty important topic, I think, um, because I think a lot of family physicians and primary care providers, I, I think a lot of us do this, and that is interarticular gluco, glucocorticoid injections uh, for arthritis and pain. Um, I think a lot of us do this in clinic. I know a whole lot of us were trained in that regard, and I think a lot of us uh, feel comfortable doing that. But in the past several years, there's been several studies highlighting the fact that intraarticular glucocorticoid injections are associated with a greater cartilage loss, right? So possibly accelerating the timeline on arthritis and a rare but increased risk for joint infections, obviously. Um, so when we've looked at this compared to physical therapy, physical therapy is really non-inferior uh, to corticosteroid injections. And there are uh, you know, obviously my number my number one go-to when it comes to um, treatment of arthritis is talking about um, exercise, talking about weight loss, talking about physical therapy. That's all good. Um, I, in the past, I've talked about topical NSAIDs being really underutilized and how, uh, you know, especially topical di- diclofenac, you have to make sure that you're using a large enough volume and doing it frequently enough to get some value. But, you know, there is some actually good data about topical diclofenac. Well, this study, uh, this week's study is, uh, you know, pointing to a fact that there are still patients that get pain relief and would like to get corticosteroid injections. And this was a really interesting study from JAMA Network uh, Open Journal, okay? This is in 2022, and it was featured in last month's American Family Physician in November 2022. And, you know, I've told, I've talked about, you know, I don't read a lot of the articles. I think a lot of them are kind of boring and not always the most, um, I don't know, uh, useful in a lot of ways. Some, some providers really, really like the AFP articles. Uh, I always almost flip to uh, only a couple of sections. And the one that I've talked about many times on this podcast, the poems, uh, again, I, I prefer to call them the poos, the patient-oriented outcomes. They say the patient-oriented evidence that matters because they want to be more polite, um, but they don't have a joke podcast that they're doing. Uh, now, the article is looking at 
the effect of intramuscular versus intraarticular glucocorticoid injections on pain among adults with knee osteoarthritis at the KIS randomized clinical trial. And what they found in this trial of a small study, by the way, the N of only 145, where in patients 45 or older with primary knee arthritis, they gave them, uh, they randomized them to either an intraarticular injection with 40 milligrams of triamcinolone, or they got a 40 milligram triamcinolone shot in the butt. And they looked then at patient self-reported severity of pain from baseline, and then at two, four, eight, 12, and 24 weeks using a one to zero, 100, sorry, 100 to zero scale, okay? And zero indicates extreme pain. I think 100 should indicate extreme pain, but I don't know. Um, and in this tool, whoo, I whistled there. Uh, in this tool, the clinically important difference is nine, okay? Now, at this, uh, in this study, 138 of the 145 followed up all the way to 24. And so they used intention to treat analysis and they declared non-inferiority uh, between the intraarticular versus the intramuscular injections. Now, interestingly, intramuscular injections were declared non-inferior at eight weeks and 24 weeks, but investigators reported multiple secondary outcomes, all of which showed that intramuscular injections were most effective at eight weeks after injection, but intraarticular injections were most effective at four weeks. So those intraarticular injection people had a faster rate of improvement, but in the long term, the intramuscular injection actually provided the longest relief. Now, again, because of this was set up as a uh, non-inferiority trial, Basically, they didn't see a, 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 enough of a difference. There was only a three-point difference on the scale at 24 weeks. And so, therefore, they couldn't say one was better than the other. Now, why did I pick this study uh, to talk about today? Uh, number one is the fact I did want to highlight that we still see a ton of intraarticular corticosteroid injections, right? Um, especially for the knee, and this study is about the knee, but in other joints too. And Again, I wanted to highlight the fact that all of the data in the past five years is leading us to encourage people not to go down the road of steroid injections, at least initially, right? To really push them into physical therapy, lifestyle modification. Um, on this podcast, again, we've talked about topical NSAIDs. We've talked about sham uh insoles being as being better than placebo, being better than no insoles, right? A placebo insole. The idea that changing the gait pattern might have something to do with reducing pain. Um, the importance of exercise, the importance of physical therapy. Um, there's a study I don't know that I've talked about on this podcast, a good study on pool therapy and low impact uh, exercising being, being really good for patients with osteoarthritis of the knees, especially. And this study, again, leads us to say, you know, nine years ago when I was in residency and, you know, we were all being kind of taught about corticosteroid injections because everyone got knee injections and everyone was doing these and it was the thing to do for pain relief when people either couldn't tolerate um, or the risks of NSAIDs were too high or even with NSAIDs, you needed something extra. And again, I think this is a dramatic, sh a dramatic shift. And I won't be surprised if 10 years from now, we look back and say, what kind of barbarian is still doing 
intraarticular cortisone shots for the knee. Now, again, that's being dramatic. There's still a place for them. Clearly, there's pain relief, right, compared to placebo in many studies. But here is a less dangerous type of injection, okay? Uh, there are still some side effects. We'll talk about that. But um, an intramuscular injection, especially in the glute, does not carry the same increased risk of that joint having cartilage loss, right? Makes sense. If you're not getting an intraarticular steroid injection, you're not going to see that increased derangement and increased degradation of that cartilage in that knee following a steroid injection because you're giving it in the butt, not in the knee. Now, similarly, right, you're not going to have any risk for a joint infection by doing an IM shot in the glute of 40 milligrams of trinacinolone versus that same type of procedure in the knee. Now, I know orthopedic surgeons that have been doing these for years. I know family docs have been doing these for years and have never seen, uh, you know, a primary septic joint all from a steroid injection, but they happen. They absolutely happen. Um, they happen in orthopedics. They happen in family practice. They absolutely are a real risk. Similarly, I got a ton of my old guys are all on blood thinners. You should say all of them are on blood thinners, but a big chunk of them are on blood thinners. And a lot of them also have knee pain. And so then you're, I don't take them off the blood thinner because the risk for, you know, uh, inflammation or the risk for bleeding is pretty darn low. But I have seen people in my clinic when I was, uh, you know, a resident in orthopedics or in family medicine, other places have significant hemarthrosis after getting a steroid injection, right? And you can tell them to wrap their knee, you can tell them to ice it, and those are all really good prophylactic measures to avoid the hemarthrosis and the swelling after uh, injection. And again, I have not had a major um, bleeding event in the eight years I've been doing knee injections here in the clinic, but it is absolutely another small risk, completely avoided with an IM injection. Now, IM injection of steroids are not without their own side effects, right? Historically, Again, another thing that we've gone away from are the once a year coming in all summer uh, for an IM steroid injection for allergies, right? Uh, for an asthma prevention. I, I still have patients that come in for that. I still have patients that go to their allergists for that. Um, you know, we're trying to get away from that because of the risks of systemic corticosteroids, right? So me saying, oh, hey, look, an IM injection of a corticosteroid is so much safer than an IM, than an intraarticular injection of a steroid, right? Then, I mean... We're trading one group of side effects for another group of side effects, including, you know, hyperglycemia, risk for diabetes, all the bad things that steroids do to our bodies. But again, at least a, a, a less risk for worsening that, accelerating that knee arthritis by uh, showing a cartilage loss with intraarticular steroid injections. Again, I think my, my point of this article was three things. Number one, showing that Intraarticular steroid injections have many alternatives. Number two, intraarticular steroids aren't even better than just doing a steroid in the butt, especially the fact that you can actually see longer improvement of the intramuscular uh, injection at eight weeks than, uh, than the intraarticular steroid, right? That it's non-inferior, okay? Um, and, and actually probably does better the farther out you get from that shot compared to the intraarticular uh, in, uh, joint uh in injection wearing off, right? And the third thing is, don't be surprised if in the future, you know, we get away completely from intraarticular steroids, that they're, you know, it's not that good. There are other alternatives. And in the future, I think we'll probably be looking back saying, why did we do, even do these in the first place? I'm still going to use them in my practice. I'm going to offer these 
Um, I think I will offer IM injections for some people. I think I'll have that conversation before I initiate. In my patients where I've already started them on injections and I'm bringing them back in every three to six months or as needed for pain relief, I don't think I'll suddenly change that. Um, but it is something that I probably will have conversations with my patients going forward about, hey, by the way, there's this good study that shows that you know head to head, doesn't really matter if I put it in your butt or in the knee, you're still gonna get pain relief. Um, again, I worry about the long-term side effects of the IM injections, especially for my diabetics, um, especially for people who are pre-diabetic or already at risk for metabolic disorder, which is a lot of patients with knee arthritis and a lot of patients in my practice. So again, I think that these are all risks, benefits, things that I can talk about before I initiate um, injections. And maybe this is you know, more proof of like not even trying to start people on injections. Again, I still do them. Um, I'm kind of a hypocrite talking out both sides of my mouth, but again, I think this is all good data to have with our patients, knowing what we know um, and going forward on uh, treatment of arthritis of the knees. So uh, hopefully today was helpful. Um, I'll wrap up from today saying you don't need to step on night to step today. Thanks and have a great week. See you next week.